Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Oh, hello, friend. I didn't see you there. Remember when, uh, what was the name of the woman who hosted Lamb Chops? I'm not sure. Shelly or something like that. Uh, there's a thing where she had to like explain to all the kids watching that it wasn't real because she would always talk to them. You know, like, hi, friends. Do you can you help me? You oh know, yeah. Can you help kid. me find lamb chop? Like, he's like, yeah, yeah. And then she had to explain on TV that it wasn't real because that she couldn't hear the kids. Oh. Because she oh. talks to them and after she she'd be like, what was, what's your name? Uh, oh, that's nice to meet you. Mine, you know. She is a liar. She took it too far. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution. We are going to be wrapping up the book of Galatians. But don't worry, it'll be back next year. Um, Jay will not talk about Galatians at all nope. between now and next year. Signed a contract with the Galatians, the people over at Gull, too. Mm -hmm. They give you a cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, good morning, welcome. Um, it's Sunday. As always, it's always Sunday. Um, let's see. I usually like to do a little warm-up time, but not really much to warm up about. I mean, I guess, you know, there's a lot of horrificness going on in the world, as usual. Uh, Texas really went through it pretty bad. Um, we actually got a few feet of snow here as well. Yeah. My kids were completely excited because they miss Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I had some crazy weather. But you know what? We do have a long, a long way to go, so we should probably get there. Um, I did get to see Pete Rollins this past week, and that was good. Mm -hmm. Catch up with my buddy Pete, and uh, Caleb and I met with him, and he gave us some really great uh, advice on some, yeah. some ideas for revolution. He gave us some direction. Which was nice, always nice. Um, so we've got a lot of cool new stuff coming your way. We did, uh, Caleb did lose his computer and his iPad. We think, I'm, my guess is that there was a surge at his apartment complex and something yeah. destroyed his computers because they all died at once. Well, within like 24 hours of each other, yeah. So I think there's something wacky going on with the electricity. Um, the devil can only be in one place at one time. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so we ordered... A new MacBook, and it will be here next week. So, yay! And yes. I talked to GoFundMe, and they're Sorry. saying either the end of this month or the end of next month because of how they do their donations to nonprofits works thing. But that's all coming, so we're gonna hopefully very soon have brand new lights and cameras and oh, action. And some so other excited. cool things that we're working on right now. So it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, we have, we have lots in the works. Lots we're of good to, stuff happening. About to have all the arsenal that we need to to attack these new ideas. Oh, and hey, Jay, my, my dad's on. I want to say a quick happy birthday, Greg. Oh, happy birthday, Greg. Happy B day, pops. Old timer. So, um, last week. We went through, uh, we're doing the overview of Galatians. So last week we went through um, one and two. I thought we were gonna make it through three, you know, I was gonna try to do half, but we didn't make it to three because there was just so much to unload and unpack. So we're gonna try to unpack a little bit more of Galatians um, as this kind of like this Galatians overview or roundup I like to do at the end. It's also a way to buy a couple extra weeks of not <laughs> preaching randomness. Um, but it's also like, I love this book, and I always get something new out of it every time I read. And that's a, a, I love that. So, um, also, like, I just started reading some Hegel uh, commentaries on Hegel, mm -hmm. and that's really hard to swallow. So, when you're reading something that you just don't know how to communicate to other people, it's nice to have something that you do know how to communicate. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to start. In Galatians 4. So if you're following along, hit, hit Galatians 4. Um, we ended at 3. And 3 is, is amazing. Um, 4, I think we'll get through kind of fast because... Um, oh, wait, no. <laughs> We're going to do 3. I'm sorry because we ended at 2. Dang it. Okay. 
So three is going to take a little bit longer, four is going to take shorter, and then five and six, boom, 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 boom. So let's keep our fingers crossed, buckle up, mm -hmm. let's go. But I'm only, I'm only using just particular verses here, um, ones that really, I feel like, stick out are important for the overview of the book. So we're just hitting the real, the real sharp, the points, the real good points uh, that Paul was making. Um, Galatians 3, um, 1 through 5, I took these notes last week, that's why I realized I used a different pen last week, that's why I was starting at 4. Um, let's get through that fast. Galatians 1 through 5. Um, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly ex exhibited as crucified. So basically saying it's like you saw a painting or a picture. Um, the only thing that I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you now so foolish? Have you started with the Spirit? Are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles amongst you by you doing the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And, I mean, this is Paul's rebuke letter, remember, but it's also a grace letter, and it's also, I mean, it's just, it's all these different things. It, it, it definitely has a dialectic in it, which I really love about this book. Um, because there's so much going on and it's communicating so much at once. Um, and it's short and it's really powerful. Um, Martin Luther, the reformists, uh, did a commentary on it and it's like that thick. It's, he did one on Romans and it's like this. Oh. So there's a lot in Galatians. Um, but this just gets back, gets, gets us back to the idea of what he keeps saying is, is don't go back to works. Don't go back to customs. Don't go back to these traditions and if anything, I think as the Christian church and Christianity does quite often is gets stuck in its traditions. Um, and the traditions sometimes get so heavy um, that we add that they're not even biblical. You know, it's like you can be like, oh, you know what the Bible says? Easy does it. You know, like, oh, where does that say that? It doesn't say that. You know what I mean? Or just we, you get these, these customs that just nail us down and they're not biblical, they're not part of the faith, and, uh, but we add, and, and we think it has to do with salvation and all this stuff, and we really, we, we really often treat salvation as, as though it's able to either slip through our fingers or that just certain people get it and certain people don't. Those are kind of the two that the, the major churches have decided to stick with, and um, I honestly don't like either one, so you know, pushing those away um, because I don't think it makes, it makes complete sense um, the way it works. I understand where they come from. I've, I know the verses that people use. I know the ones that Arminians use. I know the one that Calvinists yes. use. Um, but I also know what other verses say. So I think it's, you know, it, it's one, realizing that each book is its own individual. And then after that kind of stepping back and having a, a greater look and what is the message here and what is the Bible saying to us and what is the, the you know, what is, you know, if we're, we're Christians and followers of Jesus, what is Jesus's biggest message? Now, one of the things I want to hit is you're like, well, Jay, don't you need to read the Gospels? I think it's good, but I also think one of the things we have to think about is this, is that Paul's writings are closer to Jesus than the Gospels. The Gospels were looking at 50, 60, 70 years after Jesus. And, um, and have you ever read a book by someone who wrote a book by someone who doesn't know you? I've read lots of books about my family written by people who don't know them. And it's literally like reading about strangers. Um, you know, I remember seeing the uh, Fall from Grace, the TV movie about my parents, and just not recognizing them at all. Or there was this... Uh, Pulitzer Prize winner writer who wrote a book about my parents when the fall happened. I think his name was Charles Shepard. And uh, he wrote this book about my parents. And I've read some of it. And the things I read, I was just like, who is, I don't even know these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was a reporter, right? You know, 
third, fourth, first party, maybe some, you know, but never talked to my parents, never talked to me, never talked to family members. So it's funny to see how like, so many degrees removed. Yeah, so many degrees and removed. And so we often, you know, we're going to see that with the Gospels, obviously. I think we got pretty good stuff because of the, the verbal traditions that they had. Um, I'm glad somebody wrote them down. But Paul does get to an essence of message that I feel like may have been lost in translation along the way that we're able to kind of get through Paul at an earlier stage of what Christianity really is and what it's looking like and what they're arguing for. Um, that's important to me. So, why did I go down there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is Paul is making it very clear. It's not about works. It's not about traditions. Um, it's not about your virtue signaling. You know, um, we're going to get to the point of what it is all about here in just a second. Um, we're going to jump down to uh, 12. Oh, here we go. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. Now, but the law does not rest on faith. Only though, contrary, whoever does not do do whoever does the works of the law will live by them. And what Paul is saying here is that you can't, if you want to follow the law, you can't pick or choose. Um, what you want, um, you have to, you have to, um, I hope Treff finds a new church. Um, you have to, you can't pick or choose what you want. You have to um, follow the whole law. You have to follow every single bit, every tittle, every jaunt, every you know, every rule, everything. So it's not just grace or the law, but he's saying if you follow the law, if you preach the law, if you hold up to people's persons these high standards, you know, there's no room for for uh, hypocrisy. There's no rule for picking and choosing. It's the whole thing, and that's why he's saying this is such good news: is that we don't have to live by the law anymore. Um. Let's hit 21 through 29. Is the law then opposed to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given, they could make us alive. Then righteousness would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what was promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So, I mean, Paul's stating clear, like, this is all about Jesus now. And, you know, we're going to look at what Jesus' main message was and, and what the focus of Christianity was. But Paul is saying, you know, once again, no law, no law, no law. But we have to ask ourselves, um, why do we, you know, what, you know, I'm going to read a little more 29. I think it'll make, make it clear. Um, 23. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned, guardians under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian under Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to the discrimination. For Christ Jesus, you are this disciplinarian. For Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. As many as you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with grace. Christ. Now, another thing that this does by removing the law is that it takes down structures of hierarchy. It takes down structures of race and supremacy. Um, So one of the things that, that Paul gets into right after this, he's basically saying, like, what if we are called to humanity? and not to be controlled by a system. So the church will create a system. You know, the church will create a system that we can live in, a community where we follow by particular rules and regulations and laws, and we live within this system. And the idea is we often end up living for this system rather than living for each other. And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make in the church 
is that we become we become slaves in ways to the system. We become, you know, the system in the church, the church becomes more valuable than others, more valuable than people. Um, so what do we do to, to avoid that system? You know, what do we do to, you know, down with the system um, <laughs> is we put people first. Now, if we put people first in the church, then we wouldn't have, uh, like I remember in the, like in the 70s and 80s, a lot of church groups would be like um, worried about like, oh, well, there's, we don't want the carpet to get dirty. There's this great, I think it was Chuck, Chuck Smith, was his name? Chuck Smith, the, the Jesus, during the Jesus People Movement oh, yeah. in Calvary Chapel. And, and he wanted to invite all the hippies in. And the church board said, well, what about the carpet? We've got this new carpet. We don't, get to, we don't want to mess up the carpet. And he goes, okay, well, I've got an idea. He's like, let's just tear the carpet out if the carpet's that important. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that people are always more valuable than the carpet. People are always more valuable than the system. Uh, people at times are going to be more valuable than what your board tells you to do, and it might get you fired. Um, it's all about people. I mean, I don't think the church realizes it's not in the organization business. It's not in the system business. It's in humanities. It's in the business of humanity. It's in the business of seeing all people equally and loving them all the same. Not about how rich they are, how special they are, or how famous they are, but just who we are as human beings. Um, and this is why we see in, in and I'm going to go over, the, I'm just going to run over this really quick because we spent a lot of time on it, I think, when we did uh, part three. And so if any of this stuff, you're like, oh, I want to hear more about that, you know, you can jump back to part three or part one or part two, and I'll try to reference that from, from here on out. But this part says, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There are no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I talked about this being how we all realize we're humans. We all realize that we have a lack, that it's, it's taking the power structure and, and stripping it down. It's also taking those who've been seen as lowly and, and, and not human and inhuman. Or, you know, and it's kind of all taken us to this equal playing ground. Um, in today's world and, and things, this can seem a little bit, oh, but we want to have identity, da 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 or often even we get caught up in like suffering and, and, and we have like, like this, the, the, this, the, this idea that if someone suffered more even, you know, mm-hmm. or someone's more of a victim, you know, they get to be here and then, and then we're here. And my, um, my, my therapist used to call it the hierarchy of suffering. Mm-hmm. And so it just shows that human nature, we're always trying to figure out a way on how we can have this playing field of us above them, even if it's through suffering, even if it's through being discriminated mm-hmm. against, who's suffered the most. And um, what happens is, is, is we start to take the humanity out of there, and we do start to work in ways that are, in some ways, I would even say racist or prejudiced towards, like, we treat people, poor people a certain way. Um, we treat our black neighbors a, a particular way. We treat our white neighbors a particular way. And I'm not saying good or bad, but what I'm saying is then we start to identify in how we treat people based on their race or based on their job or based on their finances. And so then you start to have, you know, who you like and who you don't. It's not based on personality. It's based on what you see and what you know. And Paul is saying it's not about that, you know, because earlier on, Paul had to rebuke Peter for going over and sitting with the, the Jewish tables because he was afraid to sit with the Gentiles because he was afraid what people would think of him if he mm-hmm. sat, if he, if he intermingled with people uh, that weren't in, so to say. And so sometimes Christians treat sinners and Christians and saints and sinners and everybody really different. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way it is. If, that's not going to change the world. We've seen bad Christian marketing. We've seen friendship evangelism fail. We've seen so much of Christianity not work mm-hmm. and come off cheesy or like a bad idea. But it's often is when we move away from this neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, you know, when we move away from this message is when we start to kind of get these, these systems in mm-hmm. where we're like, oh, this is how we're going to reach the youth, and this is how we're going to reach these people, you know, this is how we're going to reach this particular generation. And all of a sudden it becomes about a time you were born rather than who you are as a human being. And I think that's why suffering is so important, and because all humans suffer. 
All humans go through a hard time, and I think this is why hierarchy of suffering is dangerous as well, is because our pain can bring us together. And um, sitting down and sharing those experiences, not that we live in our pain or that we live as victims or things like that, but living life is tough. It's tough on us all in different ways. And those are ways to bring us together and allow us to see one another and, 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 and as humans, you know, oh, man, this really hurt them, you know. I mean, have you ever talked to somebody who you were just like, I can't believe they're that upset about it, you know, like you almost felt like it was ridiculous. But at the same time, you were like, man, but they were really feeling a lot of pain. And so my, my, my thing is, is that we try to go with that second feeling, you know, and maybe then get to know them enough to see like, why are they, you know, why are you know, they're very sensitive people? How could I get to know them better? Uh, anyway, those are just my two cents. We're not going to stick with this because um, we covered a lot of it in three. So if you want to check it out, go to Galatians 20, 21, three. Um, here we are, four, the one I worked on today. Let me look at my watch uncomfortably. Um, four, 14 through 16. This is Paul, you know, once again, this is Paul as a rebuke letter, but also a self-defense letter, also as like a job application in a way, like he's trying to get his job back, <laughs> and a disgrace letter. But he goes, in, uh, in 14, it starts out saying, Through my condition put you to the test, you did not scorn or despise me, but welcomed me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become of this goodwill you felt? For I testify that I had been possible for you to give me and tear out your own eyes, you would have given them to me. Um, and I think that's really interesting because maybe he had migraines because my eyes hurt when I get migraines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you now become, how, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Now that's what I want to look at. Um... Have you ever felt like you've fallen out of favor with people? And that's another thing I see a lot happen in the church, um, that often we see our speakers in a way where you know, we love them when they agree with us, but when they push us. I remember um, uh, Carlton Pearson, who had this mega megachurch, um, really amazing speaker, communicator. I've seen him pack up thousands of us. It's so funny because he was single for a really long time. And um, he was so popular that sometimes people would, sh- women would show up, I'm not kidding you, in wedding dresses to the, his service with a wedding party saying, God told me we were going to get married today. Oh, um, Lord. Yeah. Wow. He had that happen a few times. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Um, wow. But Carlton Pearson is an extremely handsome man and an amazing communicator. Um, Apparently God was trying to pimp him out to multiple Yeah, wives. multiple wives, I guess. Um, <laughs> But uh, he, uh, he was actually best friends with Carmen, who just passed away, oh. strangely enough. Carmen, also another handsome gentleman. Those two handsome guys. <laughs> um, but have you ever felt like, so when he just came to the conviction that he didn't believe in hell anymore and that everybody was included and God, God included everyone. And when he preached this, he fell out of favor. You know, he was one minute a voice, you know, the voice of God, and then the next minute, you know, it was preaching heresy, and he fell out of favor, and he lost the church. Now he's built his 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 career back, and, and and speaks and writes amazing books, and all this stuff. But you know, there's so many times where we fall out of favor, and the sad thing about the church is, is that we often fall out of favor if we don't if we, if we if we don't agree with the right things that we're supposed to do, kind of this tradition and things. Mm-hmm. We don't say the right things, um, or if we make mistakes and we fail, and then we fall out of favor. And we're kind of marked as mm-hmm. fallen people. And to me, the great thing about the religion of Christianity is that it offers us something that says nobody is a marked human being. You know, no one is a complete failure. Matter of fact, we're all failures, but guess what? In God's gracious kindness, through grace, we're not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. Basically, we're all human. Once again, we're all human. We all have human nature. We all have the lack within us. And when we recognize that lack, I I saw a quote the other day that said, sin is when we try to fill the lack. Um, Sin is not these, you know, 
do's and don'ts, but sin is what happens when we try to fill the lack. Somebody, I saw somebody on, on Facebook just now say, Jesus fell out of favor, and that's true. You know, he went from having hundreds of disciples to 12, you know, who followed him. And uh, so this is, I mean, it's human nature to let that happen. We do it with celebrities. We do it with, you know, politicians. We do it with, you know, people at work. I mean, it's just, it's human nature, and I, I get that. So, but I think sometimes as, as Christianity is helping, wants us to embrace a human nature of, of understanding that we're all going to make mistakes. And um, it's almost like having kids in a way. You know, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to mess up. They're going to say the wrong things. They're going to do the wrong things. But you don't kick, you know, you shouldn't be kicking them out of the house. You know, you sit down, you have conversations, you watch them grow, you see them make mistakes. You, you, you know, sometimes you punish them because you don't want them to run out into the street and get killed. And then sometimes you have really tough conversations with them as well. And so it's like when, when you have that kind of feel for people, you kind of get the idea of like, oh, is this what Jesus means? You know, is this what Paul is talking about? Is that we almost see each other as, as children. You know, Jesus shows when the children come to him, you know, and he talks about the children. He says that we have to have hearts like children. And um, two children, you know, when I see my kids deathly fighting and then 20 minutes later they're playing in their room, you know, children work a little bit differently. And so that might be something to think about as well. Yeah. But we, we, we're, I'm not going to st get stuck there today. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say is like, how can we not be controlled, you know, I mean, how can we, you know, look out for people falling out of favor? In 17, it says, uh, they make much of you for no good purpose. They want to exclude you so that you may make much of them. And what I thought about, was interesting about this is what Paul hits the nail on the head with some of these religious leaders who are attacking him. He goes, they want to make, they want to exclude you so you'll make much of them. Because see, then all of a sudden you're off, you know, mm. by excluding those people, then they go like, oh, we're excluded. So you think you can't join in. You're not righteous enough. You're not good enough. It's gaslighting. You know, in a way, yeah. Mm. You know, and so you can't be a part of it um, because they're higher than you and that you have to lift yourself up in order to be mm. where they're at mm -hmm. or at least to be worthy of their, of being a member at their church or a member of their religion or a member of their group, you have to pull yourself up to a certain level to be there. Mm -hmm. And maybe that works. I mean, that's obviously how work works and how jobs work, and it makes sense for jobs to work that way. Um, but not churches and not probably religions. It's probably not the best way to work. So that's another thing is that this idea of they're excluding you so they feel better than about themselves. And so that often happens, you know. And, oh, I didn't write the Bible. It's just the rules, mm -hmm. you know. And so have you ever noticed that sometimes these folks who have more, maybe the more excluding theologies are sometimes the meanest people? But they almost enjoy being mean. They almost enjoy finding the verses that separate others from them. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. it becomes this way of them feeling better about themselves and having some sort of some power and some way of saying, so hopefully they think a lot of me because I'm not going to let them in. You know? And it's like, who are they? Anyway. There you go. Um, Galatians 4, that was it for 4. We're going to jump into 5 really quick. Um, 5.1 says, For freedom of Christ has set us free. Stand firmly, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Um, you know, don't get caught up in the system. Um, don't get caught up in, in how, you know, being seen as holy. Don't get caught up in, in, in those things. And this, I, I can hear some people saying, like, Jay, it sounds like you're just giving a license to sin, or this is too much grace or too much that. And that's not what I'm trying to say. Is What I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's just so much in and out talk lately, you know, from both sides of the aisle, right and left. And um, especially Christians, so much who's in, who's out, who doesn't belong, who doesn't, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I just, I don't feel like I have the knowledge or know-how to know what anybody's mind or heart is to tell them if they're a Christian or not. I just don't feel like I have that, mm -hmm. you know. 
Um, people say, oh, it's obvious by their works and their fruit, but sometimes we don't, it's not obvious. Especially if I don't know you, it's definitely not obvious. I can't judge your, all your fruits just because you made a couple crappy tweets, you know, or you made a bad movie or you did a bad talk. You know, I'm, I, I just, that's not, I don't feel comfortable judging people that way. Um, but he goes, you know, therefore, and do not submit a self to your yoke of slavery. So I think when we look into things, when we start to feel like we're guilt, when we start to feel like slaves, when we start to feel used by the Christian system or the church system or by any system, it's time to say, you know, what's going on in my life? And it's time to take a second look and uh, maybe have a little me time. I'm going to jump over to uh, five, six really quick. And this is the point. Six is where the po- we hit the point again is. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. It doesn't matter. So it's like, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, what counts for anything? It doesn't count for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. You know, so this is one thing is where we come back to the heart of Christ. We know Jesus talked about this. The one thing that counts and this is Paul's message, this is was Jesus' message, this is the basic message, is faith expressing itself through love. So what is for love, you know? I think Corinthians 13, especially 4 through 7, is a good look at what is love, you know? And when you look at that kind of love, you realize, oh, this is tough. You know, this is, I feel like, when the works really hit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is even the point where I think we could take James's words and say, you know, faith without works is, is dead. And I don't think it means your personal salvation, um, what I'm thinking he's saying is, is that <clears throat> is that it's just useless to other people. And but what I mean by that is the works that I see here is is what Paul talks about. Love is is never giving up, never mm. losing faith, always being hopeful. And this is a tough one. He says love endures through mm. every circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, it says it endures through not some circumstances but every circumstance. And to learning to endure takes a lot of self knowledge it takes a lot of being comfortable with yourself to to endure through really tough relationships and through tough tough people that's what we're talking about as people but 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 back again you know this is what paul is saying what's important is our faith expressing itself in love so love never gives up it never loses faith keeps no record of when it's been wrong it's never irritable jealous boastful proud or rude you know i mean it's really quite corinthians 13 4 through 7 is really amazing and um, so I really recommend looking at that when you look at scriptures like, well, what is love? You know, and, and also looking at Christ, you know, it's, it's mm. um, I mean, I feel like if this is the, the thing you're called following, if this is your, your feeling, if this is what you've decided to dedicate your life to, what is love? And uh, love isn't rebuilding systems. Like I said, rebuilding systems The system just doesn't, there's always someone a system seems to want to exclude. And I think we've got to figure out ways that we build community and diverse communities. But diverse communities are hard because, you know, if you have a diverse community of poor and wealthy and well, of wealth and finances, things get weird. If you have a community of people from different backgrounds and races and things, people can, you know, have a hard time communicating. But that's the great thing about community is having these hard conversations. One of the things I notice is that with our community, we have a diverse community of thinking, a lot of diverse thinking, a lot of different thoughts. And, um, and that's why we talk about arguing well, having hard discussions and hard conversations and, and keeping that word hard in there to remind us that, you know, but we argue well, and I like that. We, we learn to argue well and, yeah. and learn to not see every argument as a self-attack mm-hmm. or an attack yeah. on me. Like every time I argue... For me, I can argue, almost argue with anybody, even so when they talk about my family, to some extent, <laughs> to where I'm not taking it personally. Matter of fact, I, actually at this point in my life, I'd probably be more happy to argue about my personal life <laughs> than my family. Um, it'd be a nice change. Um, but yeah, so, so not, not every argument's an attack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, people saying ignorant things, one is that maybe they haven't learned those things because that's truly what ignorance means. And two, if it's with you and it's one-on-one, if they're talking about people you love, at that moment they're not hurting those people because those people aren't hearing them, mm-hmm. but you're hearing them and you can be that person in that conversation that said, 
this would devastate my friends. Yeah. This would devastate my parents. This would devastate, you know, you can have those tough conversations. And sometimes you may be the only change they get. You know, you might be the change that they need to see. You might need to be the change they heard through those tough conversations. And if you do it with love, I really do believe you plant a seed. I've had people tell me that they don't think how arguing well gets anywhere. I, I really completely disagree. Mm. And so, but that's just me because I think our, once we start to argue in a graceful way, we start to see each other's humanity. Yeah. And even if it's sometimes a one-way street, because you can't expect everybody else has learned to argue well. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. But it's also, that's like the ace in your back pocket. You know what I mean? It's like you, you're arguing well. You're not going to take it personally. If they go there, that's okay. You might be like, hey, obviously I see that we, this conversation's upsetting you. Let's just walk away. And even that's going to make somebody think. Like, why, did, why were they so calm? Why were they right. able to, you know, what was, why was I so angry, you know? Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah. those are just some things to think on. And why I think this book is so valuable and important. Um, 5.13 says... For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgences, but thoroughly love. See, so Paul's saying here, he's like, I'm not saying you're free, do whatever you want, blah, 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 for self-indulgences. He's saying, once again, he's reiterating just a few words down to use this opportunity, uh, but, but use it through love. Become slaves to one another. I mean, he's really nailing this hard. He's really hitting it hard, saying we, we need to be slaves to the other. We need to love the other. This is what this faith is all about, is loving others and becoming slaves to others. And this is where the hard work comes in, you know. Um, For the whole law is summed up in the singular commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know we've talked a lot about, and I would recommend checking out Galatians Talk 5. Um, because I know we've all talked a lot about, well, you have to learn how to love yourself and do that. And I think we really nail that in the mm-hmm. last, in that talk in Galatians 5 um, about importance of self-love so we can love others. But this is, since this is just the hot takes, you know, this is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But this is my favorite part. And I think my, maybe my favorite verse in Galatians at this point in my life. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You know, and I think, you know, when we're out scrolling online and things like that and we get off and we don't feel great and we worry about the world, it's often, I think, what we're, we're experiencing is the consumption, that we're being consumed by others. Mm. We're being consumed by opinions, consumed by crappy news sites, consumed by photos that maybe put together a... a false narrative in people's lives, you know. I have one person that I follow on Instagram, and I've never seen them unhappy. I mean, they're with their family. They're, everything's happening. I'm like, they have had the greatest, you know, uh, COVID experience I've seen of anybody, you know. But there's always something behind that. You know, you're not seeing the whole truth. But anyway, it's, it's even, even that kind of like, I've got everything together, can consume you. Yeah. It can be kind of abouting and devouring, especially when you're having a hard time and you're suffering and you can't make ends meet or things like that. So... I like this that it says be wary. I can only tell you who are listening or if you've read this, but, you know, we've got to also make sure we're not doing the consuming. Mm. And so, like, one of the things I want to ask you today as you think about, and I think this is so important about this, are we consuming others? Are we hurting others? Are we tearing one another's apart? You know, to argue well doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily win the argument. It's that you're going to hear the other person and they are going to hear you. Yeah. And that you actually might be the person who comes out different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why love is and compassion and having grace for them and yourself is so important on that. And that's why I also want to do some Tillich sermons so we can really talk about what grace looks like in a theological understanding. Um, you know, but take care that you are not consumed by one another. So sometimes we have to back away from people and the system and all the noise and, and have a break. And... Um, you know, I, I don't recommend trying to police everybody who does it because I've tried that online and you just end up getting consumed by the people you're trying to police. Um, but what I would say is, you know, what are ways that we can learn to lead by example and show compassion by example and, um, you know, not consume one another? I, I just, I worry about it. I worry about the church. I worry about people and humanity in general. 
of the constant bickering that is so shallow and canceling and things like that, that community doesn't come out of. What comes out of it is, is, is segments in, in, in dividing in factions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and people start to go into different groups and different things, and mm-hmm. it's the us's and them's. Yeah. And uh, we miss out on each other's humanity. So be wary of that. Um, so 19, jump down to that really quick. We're almost done, everybody. And then we're going to do a little afterglow, have a conversation. Um, but 19 says, Now works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, uh, liciousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities. Enmities? Yes, that fun word. Strife, jealousy. Listen to these ones. These are good. Strife, jealousy, anger, quarreling, dissensions, um, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, that these who do these such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not about heaven, and it's not about a final destination. Um, the kingdom of God is the reign of God on earth. It is God with us. It is this idea of what is God. Now, that's a whole other talk, and a very complicated talk, but it's that idea of the, the mode that we are living within. And so when it's saying when we're doing these things, we're missing the point. And one of the things you really miss from these things is you miss the other's humanity. Um, because, you know, we separate each other or we're constantly uh, self-medicating or, or doing things to not live life on life's terms. And I really feel like what Paul is trying to encourage us here is to learn to live life on life's terms. Also learning, I'm just going to sum it up because I'll say just go check out Galatians 5 again uh, to get a better reading on this. But, but what we're learning is not to scapegoat the other. Um, we, we are called not to scapegoat others. Um, then we get into the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> um, by contrast, the fruits of the Spirit, now hear this, and this is once again kind of what is the religion, what is the, what is the, what is the people who practice the religion of Christianity? <laughs> what do they look like? <laughs> um, or what are, they, what are we called to do? And this is, is very interesting. It says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, did I get gentleness twice? Spirit, goodness, yeah. faithfulness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you're saying like, Jay, I want to argue well, how do I learn how to argue well? Look at these right here. Love, you start to feel some sort of love towards a person as a fellow human being, which I think we can all do, and you have joy in your life that's not going to be torn out by someone's difference of opinion. If you have peace, if you're able to be patient, patience is a huge part. Kindness, being kind, being generous by listening being faithful through sitting through the conversation, you know, gentleness by not demanding your own way and using self-control by not calling them a complete jerk. You know, I mean, these are different ways that we can learn to argue well and live amongst each other and work as a community and live as a community. These things also are, we benefit from, you know, we benefit from them as well. They're for others, but we also are able to benefit from them as well. And so to me, that's really, really great. Um, So just to wrap it up in six... Um, one is I would recommend going back and listening to Galatians episode six because I'm not going to to hit a whole lot of it. But uh, Galatians six ten actually I'm only one, hit one part of it. Yeah, you know, it's I'm sorry, it's not six ten. It is six two. Bear no one another's burdens. Um, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For those who are nothing think they are something; they only deceive themselves. All must test their own work when that work and that work rather than their neighbor's work will become a cause for pride for they must carry their own load. So, I mean, Paul's basically saying here, he is saying here is don't compare yourself to others because that gets you nowhere fast. And when you see others hurting, help them and never think you're too important to help them. Because that's not how life works is if, you're, if this is the religion you've decided to follow. If Christianity is the example that you're looking for in your life, it's the, if it's your mantra, <laughs> you know, it, it is to help others 
and also take care of yourself. And one of the <clears throat> you'll find a lot more pay peace in your life if you mm -hmm. aren't continuously comparing yourself to others and others' works. Here's the end. Is um, and it is ten. That's where. We're and so then, whenever we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all. So that's Galatians. And uh, that was the book of Galatians. And I think there's so much great text here to remind us of what we're called to do, how to work one another. And I think this book will always continually be relevant because it shifts and moves, because it is a dialectic. Um, and uh, it always allows us to see the other as not the other. It sounds mm. almost like there is no us or them. Mm. You know, there's only one, and it helps us to always stay within yeah. that. And I think that's why the book of Galatians is is timeless. Yes. So it constantly um, causes you to recalibrate. Yeah. You know, because because we always drift off, and it was a response to people drifting off in early Christianity. Like, it, how long did it take them to start <laughs> drifting back to legalism? Right. And then it's just so easy for us to drift back to legalism, and so it's kind of self. Uh, rechecking. And that's that's a great point too because you're saying you know, they drifted back to legalism but also legalism creeps in. You know, the, yeah. the system sometimes also shifts. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like who's the hero and who's the villain. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, the persecuted, you know, then can develop their, like you were saying earlier, the, the victim can develop their own hierarchy. You know, and, and hierarchies just come out of the, the woodwork all the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like a, like a sickness. Like a virus. So let's, shall we do some after glow? Yes. Shall we glow? Let us glow. <laughs> Zoe told uh, a really interesting story and said, when my wife and I invited 75 angry punks to church and they destroyed the bathrooms, <laughs> the mirrors, and the drywall, our pastor said, the church building is a tool for loving people. This week the tool was very well used. We will fix it. Invite them back. The fourth time we invited them back, four times, there was no building damage. It launched a ministry. The punks of Lethbridge became the most protective of our church's physical space wow. of anyone, even more than the congregation. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so. really true, too. I've seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, Greg made a point. I think you, you, you saw it earlier, but it said that Jesus, too, fell out of favor. Yeah. Um, and then responding... Oh, wait, hold on. One second here. Uh, there's another one from Zoe that said, uh, 100% agree with what you're saying about... Uh, what you're saying about you not being able to tell if people are Christian or not, or, or right. not being your place. Uh, he's, uh, they said, if, if Trump says he's a Christian, I agree, I believe him, he's in the same Jesus story as I. Uh, okay, and then Thomas says, uh, if our love is not bigger than the divisions caused by human categories then it is not representing the love of Christ. Yeah. Or absolute love, maybe. Uh, put that. Um, April said, sometimes people of completely different points of view can communicate calmly and open the eyes of one another, approaching conversations with an open mind and not adamant to change the other person. It's okay to love someone else who doesn't have the exact same views as you. You know, that's what I like about philosophy, is seeing philosophers completely disagree with one another but still being close. And I've even seen some politicians do it. It's rare nowadays. Mm -hmm. But I, it's pretty impressive when we are able to see people... Yeah, I think it's great. It's beautiful you know, to see. Yeah. ...live in the tension of their lives mm -hmm. and uh, see what amazing stuff can yeah. come out of that. Totally, you yeah. Know? And I like how April, uh, how she articulated that saying... Um, open the eyes of one another. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like there's a victor right. in the conversation, but you know, you can get you can get somebody something from from somebody even if you don't walk away from the conversation and have the same viewpoint as them. You can learn something about humanity and even just say, Oh, someone I respect legitimately holds this point of view. Like I, I have a friend, um, maybe I won't say his name, but he he's uh, I don't think he would mind, but he's a uh, he, he believes a lot of conspiracy theories uh -huh. and um, he believes in he Claims to fully, absolutely believe in the the whole lizard people. Oh, okay. Uh, you know that like a lot of celebrities are and politicians are actually lizard people in human uh, disguise. Of course, you know that old that old gem. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting to be like, oh, a person who I respect is a smart person and a friend of mine. Hmm, really believes this? Do I believe <laughs> that? No, not at all. You know, do I uh, feel like we have to have distance between us because we 
disagree on. I mean, there's a lot of implications yeah. behind believing the lizard people. Right, a yeah. lot of implications. Anyways, uh, back to the comments. Um, so, uh, Thomas said something that then kind of spurred a conversation, which is kind of cool. So, Thomas said, that kind of argue-well approach requires a real commitment to the relationship. I think that is often the hardest part. Definitely. Yeah, and then April responded to that and said, uh, I totally agree. Too many times people get so heated trying to change the other person's view that the relationship ends. And yeah. it's, it's very sad. It is sad. And then Mickey said, chimed in and said, I've always wondered how it went from the obvious fruits of the spirit to inquisitions and harsh fundamentalism. Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas responded to that and said, uh, we tied religious authority to economic power and control. I think Constantine caused Christianity to become both a global religion and a vehicle of state power. Yeah, yeah. and war, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. And then that just went, you know, just the the Crusades brings up a whole other uh, blemish on the on the skin of Christianity. Pretty pretty harsh blemish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert, and then just the last comment on here, most recent one is Robert saying, "Caleb, glad you are well." Thank you, Robert. I am well. I was only sick the one the one uh, week uh, last week. I was just snowed in at home. Jake, well, Jay and I were both snowed in. Jake couldn't get to me. Yeah. So I just did it. Transport me. So anyways, works. yeah. But uh, lots of really. Great, great nuggets and insights there. Um, I don't know, not, nothing directly for you to respond great. to. But. Day off. Well, guys, <laughs> thanks. Thank you so much for being a community. Thanks for being here, um, going through us with this. We are really, really grateful. Um, if you like what we do, you know, you can support us, revolutionchurch.com. Um, we can always use the finances to get where we're going. And we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. So thank you so much. Um, your congregation's coming back. We missed a week, so. Lots of good stuff. We love you guys. And have a great week. See you next week.